Well, welcome everybody. I'm so glad you're here today at our West End campus. I'm so proud of what's going on at West End, right in the heart of our city. We're at Washington and Shepherd Drive, and for five years we've been serving our town. And so I'm so proud of the people of West End. Some amazing people go to church here. And so this is really great to come to you from our West End campus. We're one church in three different locations. So I want to welcome all those folks that usually attend our Missouri City campus, as well as those who attend our Richmond campus. And of course, my mom always watches online. So mom is safe in McHenry, Maryland, in the mountains. So mom, do not touch your face. Okay, don't touch your face, mom. So this has been an interesting week, and we have been issued a stay-at-home order by uh, the Fort Bend County and Harris County, and so life is changing. And so a lot of people are finding humor in it. One of the things I was able to find is a couple of tweets that made me laugh. I wanted to share those with you. Derek tweeted, night one of no sports. My wife and I just had an hour-long conversation. She's really nice. Apparently, she works in the medical field. Also, TVs are black when they are off. I thought that was funny. And then here's one that I can relate to. Side effect of quarantine is it's really hard to end phone calls. Twice today, I almost said, okay, I have to run before I realized there's nowhere to run to. So thank you, Jeff, for that. It's it's been kind of interesting. No place to rush off to. No places open. I miss sports so bad. The Astros are start were supposed to start playing, and I miss our Astros. I love our team, and a lot of people at home. Well, they're inventing their own sports. And uh, I found this a video on TikTok of a guy inventing his own chip shot. Up the flop shot in Crocs over the baby off the wall off the glass into the cup. Off the wall, over the baby, bouncer, off the meat. So I love that. I love it. Can you believe that dog? Anyway, we're all getting very creative. In fact, this may be one of the benefits of this quarantine is that we all get very, very creative on how we do life. Now, last week we talked about moving beyond just being less anxious. And I know that's one thing. We want God to comfort us and we want our anxiety to diminish. And the reality is this, we're either going to Uh, tackle this dilemma as a speed bump that slows our life down for just a little while, and then we're going to go back to the life that we had, or we're going to look at this as something new, that we're going to be encouraged by the fact that God is bringing new direction in all of our life because we have this thing happen that we didn't get a vote on. It just sort of appeared. Now, remember this. I said this several times. When we are most uh, committed to our lifestyle rather than the life that God has for us, we grow anxious. And for most of us, we're very committed to a certain grade of lifestyle, and we're very committed to that. We want God to help us maintain that. But really, the commitment should be, God, whatever life you have for us, we're committed to that. Now, I'm sure most of us are praying more than we ever have in our life. We are We are uh, really asking God to help us. We have had several people in our church lose their jobs, and it's a very scary time. We've had a staff member's brother get very, very ill with the virus. We even had uh, today a a dad uh, of a church member die. 
And uh, so we're praying for you, Tony. We know this is a tough time for you and it has its own unique challenges. So, so we are really, really in a crazy, crazy place and it has its challenges. But here, here's the thing I was kind of realizing about myself here is that we're all wired in a sense that we want to know what's going to happen. We want to know how this turns out. We want to know when it's over. And there are so many unknowns here. And the way we're wired, at least the way I'm wired is this. When there is an unknown, I tend to fill in the blank myself. Like when I don't know what's going to happen, I just sort of make up a reality that I think is logical and rational and real. But never, hardly ever, is that reality that I fill in the blank with positive. It's usually quite negative. I'm sort of a uh, you know, gloom and doom kind of guy. And, and that's what leads to my anxiety. It's, it's really the unknown. How long will this go on? Will I get sick? Uh, what's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to our church? So I, I just want to encourage you today to try to not focus on what we don't know, but try to focus on what we know. This is an encouragement for me to stay in the present and not be a future tripper, which is very, very difficult for my personality. But stay in the moment that this is the moment, this is the day that God has made. So let's, let's worry about this day. And let's talk about some of the things that we do know, especially things that we know about God. And I want to tell you three things. Three things that we can know about God that I think that will really, really help you. One is this. Here's the first one. God is leading. He's leading. He's at work. He's not in slumber. He's leading. He knows the way. And so we can follow him. So since we know God is leading, what should our response be? Well, our response should be that we should pray. We should pray. God is leading, so we should pray. One of my favorite verses in the Old, the Old Testament is Psalm 25, 3. It says, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. This is a place where we can ground our hope. I know we had a lot of hopes for our future and we had a lot of hopes for our job. And we had a lot of hopes for our health and all the things that we placed our hopes in. And many of those things have let us down. But here's the promise, and I believe it's true. No one whose hope is in you, God, will ever be put to shame. This is a verse that I clung to 24 years ago when I moved my family back to Houston to start the church. That I was so scared of it failing. I didn't know what the future holds. I just knew that we were supposed to come and do this church. And uh, I was so scared of failing that I was really paralyzed with fear until I read this verse. And I said, well, if I hope in God, I won't be put to shame. I won't be embarrassed. So I'll never regret hoping in God. And so that's the encouragement for you. Now, the next verse is really helpful because if God is leading, we should pray. Here's what we should pray. Show me your ways, Lord, and teach me your paths. Show me your ways, Lord, and teach me your paths. Just so simple. Now, wherever you're watching this or listening to this, I want you to say this out loud together. I know it may be a little awkward, but we do this at church all the time. So let's say this together out loud. Psalm 25, 4. It says this. Ready? Here we go. Out loud. Show me your ways, Lord, and teach me your paths. That, pa that prayer, no matter what's going on in your life, this is the appropriate prayer because it's a prayer of dependence. It's a prayer of submission. It's a way for you to say, and it helps you so much therapeutically, God, you're in charge and I'm not. You know the way and I don't. You know where you're going and I'm not sure. So will you show me your ways and lead me in your paths? This is really what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I get busy oftentimes telling God what he should be doing. Like I know the prescription here, but these are times when I don't know and you don't know. So this prayer of dependence is really a powerful one. And here's how he answers you. It's found in Psalm 32. It says, God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I'll instruct you. I'll teach you the way you should go. And I'm going to do that with my loving eye on you. Like, I'm not here to harm you, God says. I'm not here to... to to discourage you. In fact, I want to encourage you. I want, I want you to know that I'm leading you. So what you can do to help yourself right in this time is to just acknowledge God's leadership in your life and surrender to his care. Now, here's the second thing. If God is leading is the first thing, then we should pray. Here's the second thing. The second thing that we can know in all these unknowns is this. God will provide. Now, this is a step of faith because you're not sure, right? You haven't seen the provision. But in Genesis, God describes himself and he gives himself a name. Now, in Hebrew tradition, a name was more than an identifier. It said something about your nature and your character. And one of the names that God gives himself so all of his people could know something about him was the name Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. And what that literally means is this. The Lord will provide. Now, in a time when God's children were wondering where their next meal was going to come from, God wanted them to know this, the Lord will provide. And for many of us that are walking into these unknown waters, this is what God wants you to know today, God will provide. Now, this is a theme throughout the Old and the New Testament. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a group of Christians in Philippi. And these group of Christians in Philippi were really ravished by poverty. But from time to time, they were able to send Paul some help. In fact, Paul was in prison when he was writing this letter. And he wrote this letter as a way of saying, thank you for caring and being concerned for me. Let me read, let me read this passage to you out of um, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 says this. Paul writes, I will, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. You were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And what he's saying there is he had no opportunity to show it because you were poor and you couldn't do anything, but you did help me, right? And then he says this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned I have learned. Listen to what Paul learned. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. This is a world which most of us don't know, including me. I'm happy and have joy and contentment when things are going well, and when things aren't going well, Things like today, this virus thing, I'm not sure what to do. But Paul says, <clears throat> excuse me, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then this famous verse that we see through churches, but we don't really understand the context of it. It says this, 
I can do all this <clears throat> through Christ who gives me strength. The secret that Paul was talking about is that he had such a faith in God that he had learned that his circumstances were not going to be able to uh, rob him of contentment. Paul didn't have, the, have to have the alleviation of discomfort, physical discomfort, in order to experience joy or contentment. And we, we Americans, quite frankly, we are used to having all of our circumstances right. So if God will provide, what is our response? Well, here's the thing. We should be looking for ways to help. We should be looking for ways to help. That's why we've started this hashtag uh, love your neighbor initiative where we are looking for ways to help. We're looking for ways to serve, to help people in their times of need. You've seen some of that. Um, uh, McKaylee talked about some of those things. One of the things I'm very, very excited about is our blood drive. And I want to get this right. Our blood drive is going to happen on the Richmond campus on April the 3rd, Friday, April the 3rd. And then we just got word that we're going to be able to do a blood drive right here at the West End campus. I think it's Wednesday, April the 8th. I know, I know Wednesday, April the 8th is true. So you have to sign up for that. You can't just show up for that. So there'll be information on our websites, rpc.me as well as westend.me to find out more about the blood drive. And we want you to be a part of this because we want to support our medical personnel. I mean, these are the real heroes, aren't they, of what's going on in our, in our culture. They are the front lines of the battle that they face. And so I want us to be able to support them and do what we can. So write a note, say a prayer, um, deliver toilet paper. I mean, do whatever it is that you can do to encourage somebody. Don't just get locked in in a self-preserving mode, but figure out ways that you can help. If God's going to provide, he typically provides through his children. And in the 14th century, there was a giant plague there. It's called the bubonic plague. And it wiped out 50 million people. 50 million people worldwide died of this plague. It was called the Black Death. And, and the plague was such a scary thing back then because they didn't know what caused it. Now, we know today that the plague was caused by a bacterial infection passed by fleas and ticks and rodents. But back then, it was a mystery, and people were just getting sick and dying. In fact, one medieval doctor says this. He says, to be careful because instantaneous death occurs when uh, this aerial spirit escaping from the eyes of a sick man strikes the healthy person standing near looking at the sick. I mean, they thought if you just looked at sick people that you can be sick. So stay away from sick people was the culture. In fact, people were leaving their towns and villages and jobs. Doctors would refuse treatment. Priests would refuse last rites. And there was one reformer there by the name of Martin Luther. And Martin Luther refused to leave Wittenberg. And it stands in stark contrast to the culture that he lived. And he has this great quote when he was asked about uh, why, wouldn't, why wasn't he going to leave or why didn't he leave. Here's what he says about facing black death. He says, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus, perchance, inflict 
and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Martin Luther stayed around to be a helper and to assist people that were sick and that were dying. And so that's what we've got to do. We've got to look for ways, being wise. I mean, Martin Luther was practicing social distancing before we haven't understood the term. And he was doing things that were wise, and that's the tension. But he was also looking for ways to be a help to other people. And that's what we're doing in this Love Your Neighbor initiative. So we want you to show us through your social media what it is that you're doing to help. It might be an encouraging note or whatever that you can do, but hashtag it on social media, Love Your Neighbor, and let it be an encouragement to the rest of our church that we are really looking to help other people out. So here are the two things we talked about. God is leading and God will provide. Here's the third thing that we are going to talk about that we can know in these uncertain times. And that is this, God will redeem. God is in the redemption business. God is spirit and he's at work spiritually. And so we should be sharing our stories of faith. God hasn't been knocked off his mission. In fact, I love this passage. It says in Luke 19, for the son of man, speaking of Jesus, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came, to seek and to save the lost. And he came into human history at a very difficult time where the Roman government was involved, where the Jewish religious order had control, where people were so poor, they wondered every day what they would eat or how they could provide for their family. And it was in those difficulties that he said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. So here's my admonition to all of us. In the midst of this great trial, we cannot lose our sense of purpose. Listen to me. In the midst of this great trial, we just can't lose our sense of purpose. The purpose of our existence and the purpose of our faith and the purpose of our church and the purpose of every follower, every believer of Jesus Christ is to live in such a way that more people would begin to follow Jesus Christ, that we are in the disciple making business, that our purpose as a church isn't off course because all of a sudden we're isolated at home, but the gospel hasn't been contained in this containment, but we of people of faith should be telling our story. Jesus went on to say this. Jesus answered some critics, some religious critics. And he says this, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I have come to call, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, that's interesting. He came for the sick. And he was talking about a spiritual Illness. Now, this idea of repentance is kind of an interesting one. We tend to think of repentance as a commitment not to sin again, but that's not what repentance means. 
Yardley Kennedy taught me this a long time ago. He taught me that repentance literally means to rethink your thinking, to rethink your thinking. And so repentance is that you're going one way, thinking that this is the way life should work, and something happens to cause you to rethink your thinking, and then you turn into a different direction in order to go in a different direction. So, so listen, there, there's, there's a more serious issue at hand than our physical health, and it's our spiritual health. So because there's a more serious eternal issue, God came so that we could have life and have it everlasting. Now, no way am I discounting the physical dangers that we all face, especially those that are immune compromised or <clears throat> elderly. But I would tell you this, that this bigger issue, this serious issue is a spiritual issue. And now people are re really considering what's life all about. And this is our chance. This is our opportunity. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to pray specifically for people who do not have a relationship with God and pray that they will realize their need for Jesus Christ. The second thing I want you to do with the people that you've built trust with, I want you to share your story. Your story of faith, your own need for forgiveness, how you came to a place where you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your transgressions and sins, and he rose again on Easter. And I want you to tell somebody your story of faith, how you placed your faith in Christ. And then the third thing I want you to do is a, a little bit more um, difficult. I want you to invite somebody that you've earned their trust and you've invested in their life and you've prayed for them. I want you to invite somebody to place their faith in Jesus. It's really simple. You just say, hey, I know the world that we're living in right now is a crazy world, but I think God can give you a sense of security. And all you have to do is ask God to forgive you, believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again. And you want to give your life to God. And would you like to do that? And when they say yes, and many people will, you just say, great, let's tell God that. And you say a simple prayer and they become a follower of Christ. Listen, if we just get through this and stay healthy physically and then die spiritually, what have we gained? This is our opportunity. See, there are so many things that have let us down. Our hopes have been diminished in this. We realize the economy, the oil, the oil business, the, the stock market, our jobs, our retirement, all those things, those things come and go, don't they? Christ is the only solid place for us to build our lives. It is on Christ, the solid rock in which our life stands. And it is in times like this, we realize how secure really are we in our relationship with God and in our faith in Jesus. So to encourage you one last time, here's what I'm gonna do before I close. I've asked Justin to come back and he's gonna sing uh, my favorite hymn and uh, encourage you. And I want you to look at these words. I want you to think about these words. I want you to sing along with these words. And then I'll come back and I'll close this. My hope is built on nothing less than 
Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame But holy trust in Jesus' name On Christ the solid rock I stand All the ground sinking sand I rest on his unchanging grace In every high and stormy gale My anchor holds within the veil On Christ the solid rock I stand All the ground righteousness alone the fall is stand before the throne on Christ the solid rock I stand on the ground Well, I hope that encourages you. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. Don't, don't we? I mean, that's really what we need is a solid place to stand. So thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll share this content. We're making it easier for you to share. I hope in the days ahead, you should get an email about that. Don't forget about the blood drive on the 3rd and the 8th. Check our website often for information. And please uh, sign up for our social media. Uh, subscribe or follow us on social media so you know what's going on. And begin to think about Easter because just in a couple of weeks from now, we're going to have an Easter celebration that looks like it's going to be online. So be thinking about who you can invite to join us for the Easter celebration that we're putting together even now. Next week, we're gonna to try to take communion together at home. We are not sure how that's gonna work, but we're thinking about doing it. So God bless you, and thank you for joining us. Let's focus in on what we know instead of being worried about what we don't know. Let me know how that goes. See you next week.